Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast about liturgy, sacraments, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I am here with Father Stephen Gauthier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Thanks, Alex. Good to be back. Um, Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and we are recording again from uh, Church of the Resurrection, our cathedral here at the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in Wheaton, Illinois. Um, And Father Stephen, this morning we're talking about the daily office. Um, The daily office is uh, is, uh, part of the prayer book, so I'm looking at the table of contents of the Book of Common Prayer right now, and right in the beginning it says the daily office, and then underneath it it has um, a a list of uh, prayer services. There's daily morning prayer, daily evening prayer, noonday prayer, something called compline. And when I started going to Anglican churches, um, I noted that the book, of, the the daily office, was the part of the Book of Common Prayer that I noticed that most people used, and they used it quite frequently. So maybe let's start with um, what is what does the word office mean? It's kind of a funny word for for a prayer service, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it comes from a Latin word uh, pronounced the church way. It was officium. Uh, officium meant duty. And remember where Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, he says, pray without ceasing. So the idea there is a, our, our sacred duty, our divinum officium, that's why I said divine office, divinum officium, our, our sacred duty was to obey that command. And one thing the church did is felt, we think, of course, we gather on every Lord's Day. But the early church didn't just gather on the Lord's Day. God was praised every day of the week. And basically how that was done is they, every day we had uh, the church would gather for morning prayer mm-hmm. and evening prayer. There would always be a morning prayer and an evening prayer. Yeah. And this is actually a continuation of something much older. Is uh, You'll call in the book of Daniel when they want to trap him in Daniel chapter 6. Mm-hmm. How do they trap him? They say, well, we know he's a Jew. That means he prays three times a day. Remember, we talk about those prayers in the Acts of the Apostles. They're going right. up to the temple for the prayers right. at those hours. And so they knew there was also the Jewish practice of praying three times a day, basically the times you'd have the services in the temple uh-huh. to pray at those times. So the church basically continues the idea of we pray every day. Every day is sanctified. We sanctify time. Everything, every day has that prayer to God. We pray without ceasing that way. Okay. All right. So that makes sense. So the offices are basically short prayer services that we do roughly three times a day. Right, I and mean, that's the, the, the origins, right? Basically, especially morning and evening prayer at the very beginning. Um, so what's, in, what are, what's inside one of these prayers? What makes up uh, a, a particular office? What, what kind of contents do we, do we find in a, in, in a morning or evening prayer office? Well, from, for, well, what we have now or what we have historically, historically, what we have now and historically, is a crucial part is always the Psalms. Mm-hmm. The Psalms are the prayer book of Israel, and that makes them the church's is the new Israel. It's, it's the church's prayer book. So they always, the church read Psalms. Psalms is the core of, of, of the office. Every office will have Psalms. We'll also have something called canticles. And what canticles are is something that looks like a lot like a Psalm. It's poetic, but it's just not in the book of Psalms. Mm-hmm. We can think of a lot of those kind of passages, like, you know, the, the, the three young men in the fiery furnace type of thing, or uh, the Song of Hannah, when she finds out she's going to be a mother, very similar to the Magnificat for Mary. Right. The three gospel canticles. Uh, the Song of Zechariah, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, the announcement of the, you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, with John the Baptist's birth. And we have the Magnificat from Mary, My yeah. Soul Magnifies the Lord. We have Simeon, Nunc Dimittis, the Lord, now you can let your servant depart in peace. Yeah, yeah. My eyes have seen. So you have the canticle, you have canticles. 
uh, you typically have a reading from scripture, mm-hmm. a traditional element. Uh, very often uh, it would involve a hymn. It, come, it came to involve a, a hymn of some sort, some sort of music. And uh, finally, a big part was just the church praying for various various things. Mm-hmm. And that basically is the structure we have of the office today, if you look in the prayer book. Okay, so morning, noonday, evening prayer, how did we get that? Was it just a simple kind of, we just wrote these prayers down and put them in the prayer book? Or, or is, that, is that how it came about? Well, no, actually, it's a long history. Something happened in the church that... Um, is remember, starting in the, especially in the fourth century, we have a monastic movement. We have people really, uh, who really become sort of professionals. Either. They took it very seriously. The monastic movement was based on two key ideas. Remember the description of the, the Jerusalem church. They had everything in common. It was that, that idea. Mm-hmm. And another thing that was pray without ceasing. Yeah. How do we do those things? And so monastics really were trying to live that out in a special way. So what happened here is the monastics had a lot of time, after all. They, they were doing sure. this professionally. <laughs> and so they saw in Psalm 119, they had an inspiration. Psalm one, uh, the verse 164 says, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. So you'll never guess what they started doing. Okay, saying, so we, they need, we need to pray God seven times a took day. Took that literally. <laughs> and they actually talked about hours, a lot in hora, hour, and we, our English word hour. Mm-hmm. That's what we often talk about, the hours, you know, the... Uh, praying the hours, praying the hours. a phrase I've heard right. before. And so what they happened is they came up with seven times. And you often hear about them, you read Shakespeare and things, you'll hear mentions because people just knew these times. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was, uh, it's called matins, which comes from a Latin word uh, for, for morning. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a... It's sort of a false friend because it actually it was a, a night vigil pre-dawn. Okay, so we're not no sun <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, sky yet. No, no, we're not. We're not talking. <laughs> so t- we're talking early. We're talking early. Okay, right. <laughs> and then we have lauds. Lauds come Latin word uh, uh, meaning for, to praise uh-huh. for praises. Because I remember we said the main theme of your your morning prayer is we praise God and we bring our petitions to Him. Mm-hmm. So we would have that. Okay, that's two. We're, we're, we're there now. In the ancient world, what they did. As they broke the work, they broke the day up into twelve hours okay. of daylight. But that's interesting. Daylight was twelve hours. Well, gee, what about winter and summer? So it wasn't a fixed number of minutes. Yeah, because the day gets shorter and longer. It's yeah. like you were there. Yeah, yeah, the days get shorter <laughs> and longer. And so what happened is they would say that. So basically, if we have twelve hours of daylight, define twelve divisions of daylight. The middle of that would be the, the sixth hour, right? Mm-hmm. And midway between noon and dawn would be the third hour. Okay. And midway between noon. And, and sunset would be the uh, ninth hour. Okay. Yeah. So we ended up having three daily hours, you know, which were called uh, uh, tierce in English, T-I-E-R-C-E. Mm-hmm. You often see the word in English. Uh, from Latin tertia, third hour. Okay. And then we'd have something called sext, uh, S-E-X-T, which was sextus, from sexta aura in Latin, the sixth hour. Okay. And you'll never get it. guess this. <laughs> nona aura Latin for ninth hour. That sounds like ninth For known. Hour. They call that known. And then you'd have vespers. And then, uh, so what you're saying, well, gee, I was counting here. Let's, we're missing something, but we have, we have Madden's, right? Mm-hmm. And we have Lauds. And we have Tears, Sext, Known. Mm-hmm. And then we have, okay, we have Vespers. And we have a going to bed, right before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. We call it a Completa Aura. That means finishing up hour, the finishing up hour. So Compline, like, complete. Yeah. Okay. Go to bed prayer. It completes it. It completes the system for the day. You've done everything for the day. Okay, got it. That brings seven. But this is funny. They ended up with eight. Eight hours. Now, how would that be? Remember huh. we talk about they're, they're praying before dawn. Sometimes in the middle of the night. Cistercians still do in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And then you're praying at dawn. And then you don't pray again until like 10 in the morning. Okay. The temptation could be to crawl back into bed 
Mm. This was actually happening. One, yes. of the, one of the early figures in the church was John Cassian, an important person, a uh-huh. uh, very important early church writer. And so to stop that from happening, uh, he came up with the, the notion that was called, he, you have to have another hour, an eighth hour, just to stop people from going back to bed. <laughs> okay. And they call that prima, or the first hour. Pri- okay, so that's where you get prime? That's <laughs> where you get prime from. Excellent. Okay, so he's saying, uh, I'll, I'll show you, you're not getting back into bed. No we're one's pray. going back to bed. We're going to pray again. <laughs> so what we had in the Middle Ages was this, a very elaborate system yeah. of eight hours. You could think of it like every three hours. Uh-huh. You know, like you know, midnight to three o'clock. That sounds like prayer think. boot camp. Yeah, it was. Uh, they were not uh, sluggards, right? They were. Yeah, yeah, uh, wow. These kind of things. They had eight canonical hours. Uh-huh. Now, what happened, though, to be, uh, you know, in monasteries where, where, where they would do these, uh, that's how we ended up uh, doing this. Also, by the way, I should mention something, uh, talking about this. In the monasteries, we said they had time on their hands and things. They'd be getting a lot of other elements adding to them. Mm-hmm. For example, the Psalms, we say they have Christian uh, meanings, right? But the Psalms, how do I know that Zion means the church and things? So often what they do is they take, they would have antiphons. What antiphons are, you know, like they watch a TV show and it has music, starting and closing music. Mm-hmm. It's like a verse, they add a verse before and after every okay. Psalm to give you the, the theme of the Psalm. Sort of take away, oh, when you're reading this, here's what it's really about. Think of it in this way. So it would have kind of like an explanatory line in between each line of the song? No, no. Uh, There's simply, like, again, a TV show, beginning and the end, like bookends. Oh, okay, so bookending the song. Yeah. Okay. They call those antiphons. Okay. And so they have these these antiphons uh, that they they would have, and they would also have, um, uh, I said, we added patristic readings, for example, in the night hour. Okay. So go through the fathers. So it it got, you know what it's like? Liturgy people who are liturgists will tell you, is sort of like having a garage. You keep putting stuff in it until you find you don't have room for the cars. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so I can what see what happens that. by the end of the Middle Ages is that, uh, boy, it really had grown and become you know, sort of this hypertrophic growth. Pretty cluttered. And what happened was that lay people didn't participate anymore. This used to be the church's prayer. Lay people meaning ordinary churchgoers, yeah, non-monks, non-priests. Right, right, people who weren't actually clergy. Mm-hmm. Or who weren't, and actually the, the clergy often did it privately. They didn't even have a public service. Oh, okay. And sometimes what they do is we think it odd now is they would have a sacred duty, and you know, in the Middle Ages they had to to say the hours to pray them, but they would no, they would put them together to save time. So, so you'd have, could have vespers in the morning, okay, or you could have all you know. They'd just find a time to read them all. Let's just do these all at once and get they, them they, over they, with. They combine groupings, like all the midday hours they put together. Interesting. They call okay. them the little hours and just read them all at once. Ah. So what had happened basically with time is it got a lot more complicated. People couldn't understand Latin, so if you make it complicated, people can't follow. You know, people sure. can learn psalms and things, but you had a lot of other elements. But what happens is by the end of the Middle Ages, no one in the West participates in these anymore. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just clergy and the monasteries, you have them. You have the uh, clergy yeah. read them on the, by, their, by themselves, and they call breviaries, which are sure. just carry-alone volumes and everything you need. And so it's almost lost. And so the English Reformation, we're really proud of this, is our view is don't tear down the garage. We might use the example of filling the garage. Sure. Because we're, we're Reformed and we're Catholic. Uh-huh. Why don't we just clean it out? Yeah. And so our idea is why don't we go back and restore the hours. Hmm. You know, re- restore them. And what we did is we wanted to have lay people. Pray. We want everybody. This is the church's prayer, everybody's prayer. So restore them in a way that or- ordinary folks could come back and start doing them again. Exactly. It's sort of one thing we did immediately, of course. One of the big obstacles was the use of Latin. Mm-hmm. And so I love in the third, we talk about a language understanded of the people. I love that one. Understanded yes. of the people. <laughs> so first of all, if we're going to pray and expect people to show, why don't we actually pray the language everybody speaks? Mm. So why don't we pray in English? 
And another thing they did is let's sympathize. Why don't we just have initially just two? Why don't we just go back morning and evening prayer? Before people go to work, after people, you know, why don't we have morning and evening prayer? Sure. Okay. And uh, why don't we simplify them, shorten them, make it, you know, make them reasonable so they don't drag on because a lot of things kept getting added on. Uh-huh. Like people were really pious, would put the penitential psalms every day in one of these. Yeah. And they just keep adding stuff like barnacles on a ship. Right. Why don't we really streamline this and get it so it's workable? Sure. It's a very simple, straightforward service. And let's use just pur- purely scriptural elements. Uh-huh. And that was basically what happened. But the result was we were able to do in the English Reformation what had, in the Eastern Church, they'd always maintained the hours. Regular people would attend things like Orthros and things in the Eastern Orthodox churches. But we had lost that in the West. We had restored it in the West. And so we're very proud as Anglicans. We have a very ancient tradition. Has been, it was always maintained, but it was lost to the people. It's now truly the people's prayer. So tell me, so I've, I often actually had the daily office described to me as kind of like a, a, like a personal devotional plan. Is that, is that accurate? Is that the right way to look at these offices? Well, it certainly can play a big part in our personal devotion, but, but theologically we make a distinction. Uh-huh. And this is an important one, I think. For example, why do we go to liturgy on Sunday instead of just staying home, let's say, I read my Bible? Sure, like sure, me. just me and God. Is we know that... Um, that liturgy, the people's, you know, the people's work, liturgy, the common prayer, that's where the name Book of Common Prayer, mm-hmm. is the, the church praying together, joins with Christ and his eternal priesthood. We yeah. as church have an official, the prayer of the church. Mm-hmm. And so this is actually the prayer of the church. Mm. Even if I can't join others when I pray it, it's not an individual prayer. I'm conscious of the fact that I'm joining with Christians around the world. Hmm. And this isn't my personal prayer. It's certainly my prayer, but it's bigger than that. It's so much bigger than that. It's the prayer of the entire church. It is the church's prayer. Okay. So devotions are wonderful. We all have favorite prayers. We have things we like to do in, in our prayer lives, which are great. But they're not a substitute for the fact we also we ultimately come together in the church's prayer. Okay. And that's the role the offices play. So we gather every Sunday for Eucharist, and we have every day we have the, we have the offices that you know are part when we pray them. Even if we have to pray them alone, it's still not a praying alone. We're praying with the church around. Someone, somewhere, someone is praying those prayers. Wow, okay. And it's the church's prayer. So praying the offices is more like gathering. It's more like gathering together for, uh, for a service like we might do on Sunday than it is having a private devotional plan. Right. Another thing that's good about the offices is, for example, we use the book of Psalms, a spiritual point. Is people might say, well, gee, I have a psalm about uh, someone who's complaining he's sick, asking God for help. Well, I'm, I feel great. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the point. Prayer, you know, we talk about joining with Christ as the eternal priest, yeah. our, our eternal high priest. We pray for the world. Mm-hmm. It's not all about me. Yeah. That's how it was explained yeah. to me when I was a little boy. My dad told me, he said, you know, I had a question like, he said, well, it's, it's not about you. It's somebody, this, we're, we pray together and somebody is hurting. Sure, sure. You know, okay. And we pray with them. So the, the prayers, we don't just select the ones that might be relevant to us at a given time, but we're praying with the church around the exactly. world. Exactly. So. Sometimes it reminds us it's so much bigger than us. When we come, when Christ goes into the, you know, we'll be the model Jesus going to have in the heaven, in, into the heavenly sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Jesus isn't praying for himself. Yeah. He's bringing the world. Yeah. And so I'm nothing wrong about bringing up petitions before God. Of course not. But a very special part of our priesthood, of priesthood of all believers, is we bring the world before God. We pray for those who aren't praying. Mm-hmm. We pray for those who can't pray. Yeah. You know, so that's a very, you know, a very special um, 
thing to remember when we pray liturgically. You know, we're mm-hmm. praying. We we are the we are praying for the whole church. It's not all about us. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's something I found in my own in my own devotional life as well. That it's often sometimes it's easy to kind of feel trapped by by simply praying for things that feel relevant or needed to me. I feel like I kind of run out of material at some point and can even feel as though I'm not really praying very uh, 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 praying very effectively, I guess. And the, the, the offices kind of help to, help to uh, remind us that we're one part of a larger church. And also something else that really can help. I'd use an example with um, why liturgical prayer helps us to pray better individually. Hmm. It's how you learn a language. You know, all of us, we, uh, we think personally, right? In our mind, we think in language, don't we? we yeah, use, we do. Uh, we, we think in our language. But you know, you can't learn language alone. Is we learn language in our family, in our community. Right. And that, a lot, that gives us what we need for that personal devotion. Mm. And so what the church is, is emphasized would be it's like language acquisition. We learn to pray as church, and that is that richness that then comes and enriches our personal devotion life. Okay, yeah, yeah. You don't learn, you know, learn English by... Hanging out with people who speak English, sure, <laughs> like your mother, right? Right, 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 <laughs> right. Uh, you, you hang out with those people, and suddenly, what you learn there gives you the equipment that you need, even for your personal. So it's a re- it really enriches our personal prayer. Another thing yeah. we've always emphasized in the church has been that we have a very rich in. We're very proud of this in the Anglican tradition. We have a, a very rich uh, tradition of scripture readings in our prayer. So it really is a wonderful cycle. So it. Mm. And the idea of the completeness. You see, very often the tendency we have is we want to, there are certain passages we know and love in Scripture. That's great. Mm-hmm. But yes, all Scripture is inspired of God. Sure. And sometimes the, the Scriptures I need to hear aren't the ones I naturally come to. Right. There's some I don't really like that much because yeah. they can pinch. But we need to hear them. And so it also brings a discipline. Is by following the church, reading the scriptures together as we do in the office, it brings first of all the entire scriptures. Every book of the Bible mm-hmm. is covered in in the every in in the Anglican office every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't, uh, you know we we you'll read something from every book of the Bible, extensive. Yeah, the the New Testament, I believe, we do twice and extensive passages uh, from the Old Testament, many books in, entirely. So with that, we're we're actually learning the word. And yeah. we're not staying in the places we feel comfortable. Right. We're getting the fullness of the idea that, you know, that fullness of the, of the message. So the offices build the whole word of God into our prayer life. Right. It helps enrich our prayer life. Again, it's like, how do we learn new words? Because we hang out with people. Right? Yeah. In the sense is, if we just were in a de- desert island, if we learned English as a child, never, we wouldn't know words anymore. Sure, sure. And so it, it keeps enriching us, you know, as we see that word, we come to new places. And just to, just as an explanatory note, right, so the, the offices of prayer, the daily office, are connected in the back of the Book of Common Prayer with a, a daily office sort of scripture right. reading That's plan. The, There's right. selections of scripture. They tell you this is where you, ins- this is the scripture you insert in today. This is the, these are the scriptures you insert into your prayers right. today. They have to, it can be confusing, and there's no reason it has to be. You have to separate, there's something called a lectionary. Right. And a lectionary is what we use for our Sunday readings mm-hmm. and for the feasts. Right. And that's the first thing you see in the back of the Book of Common Prayer. Then you see for the office, you know, for, uh, you see basically for the offices. And you have facing pages. Every, they seem to be duplicate, but they're not. Okay. Because on the left hand side, they both will say, like, here's Advent 1. Uh-huh. You look on the left, there's Advent 1. On the right hand, Advent 1. But we have two different years. In, in order to get a real richness to keep moving the, the readings, what we do is uh, we, have, we separate year one. If, if most, the church year begins in Advent, okay? Mm-hmm. But mo- that means this year, for example, began in an Advent in, 
in late November 2016. Mm -hmm. However, most of this year, for 12 months until next Advent, will be 2017. Uh -huh. That's an odd year, right? So that makes us year one. Okay. And anything that vice versa. You know, this year what's going to happen, we'll start an odd year, but most of the year in, in December is going we'll to be even. even so it'll be an even year. Okay. So it basically means, hey, if it's an odd year like this year, you're, you basically use, you know, for that the entire, you use the left-hand side. The left-hand side one, of the, of the of office the page. And otherwise, you use, the, you use the right hand side. Oh, wow. Okay. It's really easy to use, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'd encourage people, as you're first doing this, there are a lot of directions. They're called rubrics. Let me tell you, they're sort of, st they're in italics. Uh -huh. What rubrics means is, in Latin, especially when people didn't know it all that well sometimes, is when they had to give directions, hey, here's what you need to do next, is there's a risk that people actually read them, like directions in a, in a play or something. You know, they actually oh, read them out loud. you would actually read the rubric out loud. Okay. And so what happens in Latin text, they actually use uh, the Latin word for red. Uh -huh. And rubric comes from the Latin word for red letters. And men don't actually read these out loud. These are stage directions. Oh, interesting. That's what rubrics are. Okay. And instead of using red, we still call them rubrics, but we use italics. The italics will actually say, here's what you do next. Okay. And actually, they're pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. If you do it, like the first time, it seems a little confusing. You have, the, you, have the, you have the choice of these prayers. You can use any one of these things like that. Uh -huh. So we'll say, or this, or... Or this, but trust me, after you do it one or two times, it's, it's not very hard. Okay. Or especially if, especially if you come to, like here at the cathedral, we have morning and evening prayer every day. Mm -hmm. And so if you come and actually, it'll seem so natural, it'll be easy to use the prayer book then. But even yeah. if you don't have that, that chance... It's not hard if you just realize the italics will tell you what, and it'll seem a little awkward the first few times you do it, but it'll really get over it real fast. Okay. Well, great, Father Stephen. Thank you so much. Thane, uh, thank you for listening to Word and Table. Um, if you'd like to email us a question to the show, um, we're including our email address in the show notes, but it's wordtablepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to take your questions on uh, any of these issues. Um, and uh, also uh, asking you guys to uh, please leave us a review. Give us some feedback uh, on our show on iTunes. Um, that uh, really helps with, uh, with visibility. We'd really obviously very much appreciate that. Um, all right. Well, we will be back next week. Uh, with more on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening.